Welcome. I'm Kevin Scott, one of the story architects of Star Wars The High Republic. This is Dominic Pace, who plays Gekko the Bounty Hunter from The Mandalorian. Hi, I'm Claudia Gray. I write Star Wars books. And you're listening. And you are listening to Star Wars Comics and Canon. The Force is strong with this one. Hello there and welcome to Star Wars Comics in Canon, your guide to the wider Star Wars canon through the comic book lens. And to take you on this journey, I'm your host, Mike Burton. And so brings episode 96. So my friends, this week I am tackling the High Republic miniseries called Trail of Shadows. So where does this sit in the timeline? Well, it is in the first phase of the High Republic. It is in the third wave of the High Republic. So the first issue is directly after Kevin Scott's book, The Rising Storm. And the last two issues take place around the time of The Fallen Star. There is a bit of a time jump between issues one and two. But I would recommend if you don't already know the plot of Fallen Star or generally what happens in the third wave of the first phase of the High Republic to proceed with caution. Because this is basically going to spoil what happens in The Fallen Star to a degree but obviously it gets mentioned in the end of the high republic comics by marvel also written by kevin scott and other pieces of media set around this time the eye of the storm as well they all speak about what happens here so you're gonna know what happens even the cover of issue five of trail of shadows clearly shows what happens but i'm just going to pre-warn you now to say that will get spoiled and i will say that any new listeners i'm going to go through each of the comics i'm going to go through the plot details of them and i'm also going to talk about certain connections made to other content and how how it connects to the wider galaxy and giving information on other things as well. But before we delve into those things, let's just give you some information on the comic itself. So there are five issues of Trail of Shadows. Issue number one was released October 13th, 2021. Issue five was released February 9th, 2022. And the trade paperback collection was released April 12th, 2022. The writer of these is Daniel Jose Older. The artist is David Wachter and the color artist is Giada Marchisio. Now, Daniel Jose Older, he wrote the High Republic Adventures comics published by IDW Publishing, which I have tackled on this very show. And he also wrote the book Race to Crash Point Tower, which is a junior novel. So there are characters that appear in this episode slash these comics that also appear elsewhere. Now, if you're listening on YouTube, it's very easy just to go into the High Republic playlist and you can check out all of the High Republic content because after this episode, I only need to do three more episodes and I have tackled all High Republic content that is currently out for phase one. And that means that the next couple episodes, I'm going to do the Edge of Balance manga. There's two mangas of those or two volumes of that manga. I'm going to be tackling them maybe next week, maybe in a couple weeks time. And then I've also got the Mission to Disaster and the Midnight Horizon books that I will need to do book reviews on on this show as well at some point midnight horizon is a young adult novel also written by daniel jose older so it's going to be the last piece of high republic content i tackle on the show until we get to like october time when phase two starts but i'll get into that a little bit at the end however i will note that if you haven't already checked out previous episodes of the high republic comics or high republic adventures please check out episodes 84 88 and 92 for the high republic marvel run and please check out episodes 86 90 and 93 for the high republic adventures comics by daniel jose older but as i said you know just go through the back catalog of comics emotion if you're listening on a podcast app or if you're listening on youtube make sure you subscribe and also go into the playlists there but with that all in mind let's get into issue number one 
So interestingly enough, issue one doesn't have a crawl to it. This is, I think, one of the first comics I've tackled that doesn't have some sort of crawl or a bit of text to kind of elaborate what's going on. So there isn't one. So just delving straight in, this takes place just after the Rising Storm on the planet Grizzle. And to clarify, the Rising Storm and the Fallen Star are somewhat going to get spoiled for me going through this, even the next few words I speak. So that is your final spoiler warning. But it starts off with seeing Loden Greatstorm's calcified corpse that slowly melts into the rain. We're introduced to a character called Emmerich Kaftor. Now, he's actually first seen in the book Out of the Shadows, sort of chronologically speaking, but he doesn't have a major role in that. This is where he is mainly known about. He is on a temple in Coruscant and is speaking with Stellan Geos, and Stellan keeps singing this old nursery rhyme. Now, Emmerich Kaftor, he is also like an investigator for the Jedi. He's one of the leading investigators for the Jedi, which is why he got selected for this job to kind of investigate what is going on. How on earth were the Jedi turned to stone, in essence, or calcified, as they call it? What is the thing that's doing this? Because at this point, and even at the end of The Fallen Star, they don't really know what's causing all this. The Fallen Star gives some more insight into the Jedi as to what's going on. It's clear there's some sort of beings that are causing this. But by the end of this, you do get a bit more information. So if you're really intrigued by the leveler or the nameless, these beings, beings that absorb force energy and turn their victims to stone this is the comic run that you want to read obviously you can keep listening to this episode and i'll generally tell you what is said and there's a couple of parts i'm going to read out but if you want the in-depth explanation this as well as the two-part series eye of the storm which i tackled two episodes ago in episode 94 of styles comics and canon this and also that are both probably the best places to find information especially if you've already read the fallen star and the rising storm so Emmerich notes that the analysis of Loden's remains don't actually identify as Loden Greatstorm. There's no midichlorians in there, there's no like DNA or anything that identifies it. But Emmerich notes that Stellan has been shaken up by this instance and is quite desperate. Meanwhile, it cuts to the other main character of this run, which is Cyan Holt, which I think is Sean. It's S-I-A-N-H-O-L-T. I believe it's pronounced Sean, which is what I'm going to pronounce it as. Apologies if that's not the intention, Daniel Jose Older. But Sean Holt is on level 1347 of Coruscant. I just like saying that because Coruscant has thousands upon thousands of levels, and generally the further down you go is generally the less money people have, like the lower economic classes in, in general. It's more so just if you're on planet side, you're generally considered rich. Obviously, Jedi Temple's there, politicians, etc., etc. But Sean is following someone who is a partner of hers, as in a partner of being a private investigator, who seems to be doing some dodgy dealing. She's following and she's having a little monologue to herself saying that, you know, he was quite troubled, but then he said he was going straight and she was going to help him and things, but it seems like he may have fallen into old habits. So she tracks him into this alleyway and then it cuts back to Emmerich. Emmerich is with his droid who's called Q2. Now Q2 looks a little bit like BD1 from the Jedi Fallen Order game that also appears in the 2020 run of Afro Comics. So it's like a square-ish head, looks a little bit like Wally, but Q2, Emmerich's droid, is a bit bigger than the BD units. He kind of is similar to the droids that are found on Kamino uh, in the Bad Batch. You see them in, in the Clone Wars, and the droid that kind of befriends Omega in Bad Batch is called AZ. Well, he's AZ, and then he's got like loads of numbers after his name, but kind of like across the team, Wally, AZ, and BD1 is what Q2 looks like, and Q2 kind of sits on Emmerich's shoulder. It's almost like if you have a human that doesn't have any legs and it's holding on to someone's shoulder using just their hands and their head is above their shoulders, that's kind of what Q2 looks like, and that's how Q2 sits on Emmerich. The droid mentions that Emmerich is now humming to himself that rhyme that also Stellan Geos was humming. 
it appears that the language in this nursery rhyme isn't actually real. There's then a short flashback which shows some younglings trying to sleep, and you've got this woman who's part of the Jedi Order, who's really old, singing this old nursery rhyme. And it used to freak out Emmerich and some of the younglings at the time, but it's seemingly just a nursery rhyme. So back to Shan. She's talking to her partner, who's called Branto, and his associate that he entered the alleyway with is gone. He then tells them just they need to run. Back to Emmerich, he gears up with a squad of Republic troops to go and investigate the next thing. Stellan mentions that the rhyme ends with the word dust, which is quite ominous and peculiar. And back to Sean, Branto's associate is then shot by a Tarnab. So a Tarnab is a species from the planet Tarn. They have triangular skulls, horns, and brownish-blackish skin. There's a character in the High Republic, which is Grandmaster Pra Tree Vita, and he is also a Tarnab. I believe I've mentioned him in prior episodes at least once, I think. And then there was also a senator at the time of the Clone Wars, who was called Mot Notrab, and they were in the Phantom Menace and the Clone Wars. So Tarnabs do show up in the Phantom Menace, in the Clone Wars series, Revenge of the Sith, Attack of the Clones, so they're a prequel era species. And they were first shown in the Phantom Menace, but they're also in a couple of Legends bits of content in that sort of short period of time between the prequels and the Disney canon reset. So Tarnabs are mentioned in the Darth Plagueis novel and the Cloak of Deception novel, which I think both of them are written by James Lucino. And in Legends, it's confirmed that their heights on average are about 2.3 meters tall. That's not been explicitly confirmed in canon, but this Tarnab in question is very tall. So that seems to be correct. I would also like to note here that if you want to hear my thoughts on Darth Plagueis, you get some spoiler-free thoughts, and then towards the end you will hear some spoilerific thoughts as well as a general overview of the plot of Darth Plagueis, then please consider checking out my Patreon at patreon.com slash genuinechitschat. On there I record and release Star Wars book reviews that I don't release on this feed or on my YouTube channel, and there's been some canon books including A New Dawn, which is the Rebels prequel, Last Shot by Daniel Jose Older, which is about Han Solo and Lando after episode 6, and also Dark Disciple, which is by Christy Golden, and that is a Clone Wars era novel about Quinlan Vos and Asajj Ventress. I've tackled those, and I've also tackled some Legends books, which are Darth Plagueis, Shatterpoint, which features Mace Windu around the Clone Wars era, and I've just recorded my review for the first of the Darth Bane books. I'm also listening to the audiobook of Brotherhood by Mike Chen, and I will be releasing a review of that on there too. So if you want to hear more book review-y things, and you want to get another, even further wider understanding of the Star Wars canon and the books, without having to read all of these books and things, please consider checking out my Patreon for only £1 a month. You get access to all of these pieces of audio content, as well as at least one episode of Afterthoughts every week I do with my girlfriend Megan, and just there's loads of additional content, early access to stuff, and you get to support the show. So please consider checking out patreon.com slash genuinechitschat. A link will be in the description. But back to the story. So I just explained about Tarnabs, so we continue the story, and we're back to Emmerich. He heads to a planet called Vrant Tarnum. Now, Vrant Tarnum is only in the High Republic. It was shown in the High Republic Adventures. It was in the first volume of that that I tackled back in episode 86 of Comics and Canon. Obviously, if you're on YouTube, you can just find it in the playlist. And Yoda and Elder Tromac go there to try and find out some information about these artifacts, and then they crash land there. And that's where Yoda gets stranded and why Yoda doesn't appear in the rest of the High Republic, aside from in the first few bits and pieces of Phase 1, Wave 1, because he's just disappeared and lost on this planet. And as far as I can tell, he has not yet been recovered. I think that in Midnight Horizon, he may end up coming back, only on the basis that I heard Yoda's name mentioned when someone was talking about Midnight Horizon, so I can only presume he pops up again right at the very end of this phase of the High Republic, but I'll confirm that in my Midnight Horizon book review once I've read it. 
And also as confirmed in The Eye of the Storm and also in that High Republic Adventures comic I mentioned, Markion Rogue got his special staff there that he uses to control the Levelers slash the Nameless. The one of them was called the Leveler, and then when he gets numerous of them, the species are called the Nameless. So I'm probably just going to call them the Nameless from here on in this specific episode. But yeah, that's where you get the information about those. So Emmerich gets to Vrance Tarnum, he fights with some Nile, and as I said, he has some Republic troops there, and meanwhile, Shan's friend gets shot in this alleyway. She falls to the ground after being shot in the hand, but she manages to shoot the Tarnab that is looming over her, about to deal the killing blow. Back to Emmerich, after disposing of all of those Nile, either capturing them or killing them or whatever, then he gets to some ruins. Now, the ruins he gets to, his droid Q2 then scans some of the writing on the wall, and it's confirmed that the nursery rhyme, which he's been humming and also Stellan Geos has been singing, the lyrics to that have been written on there. Then back to Shan, after she shoots that Tarnab, she then passes out. And the final comment on issue one is that everything is connected, which is something that Emmerich says to his droid Q2 quite frequently. So we move on to issue number two. Now there is a crawl for issue two, but the crawl for this issue and the subsequent issues are just a recap of the prior issue. So I'm not going to read the crawls for any of these. It's confirmed that it may have been weeks after issue one or even months after issue one, but Emmerich has been just pondering and trying to work out all of these bits of information about the nursery rhyme, how that connects to Loaded Great Storm and the Nile and all these things. And Emmerich is pondering, but he says there's just too many threads to grasp on what's going on. And he doesn't even really know how long he's been investigating this, hence the weeks or months thing. I think it has been months because the general loose idea is each main book in the High Republic, each sort of phase, seems to be around six months-ish, six to eight months after the previous one. So the three High Republic waves within the first phase seem to take place over a year and a half to maybe two years-ish. That's kind of the general idea. But once again, you know, Star Wars are never explicit about the timelines of things. Uh, unless you're in the Skywalker saga uh, dealing with like Kenobi, because it seems like Kenobi's timeline is pretty well set out. But anyway... So then shows what Shan is doing, and she is struggling to play an instrument that she often plays. The instrument seems to be like a keyboard or a piano. I couldn't find confirmation online of what it was specifically called. I did find a few other instruments that are very similar, like the water organ, which it could be, but she also calls it keys, I think in issue four or five, which obviously would allude to it being a keyboard, because that's what you call an abbreviation of a keyboard is keys. So it's a keyboard, it's a piano, it's a water organ. I don't know, but it's very similar to a piano, so I'm kind of going to reference it as a piano going here. But Sean is finding it hard to play these things. She said obviously being shot in the hand hindered this, but it's mainly the fear that is actually causing her problems after the assault in the alleyway. And when it shows the first page or two of this comic, it's got some very, very nice artwork where you see in the top half of the two pages is Emmerich and the bottom half of the two pages is Sean. And then the, the end of that double page spread on the right hand side, there is a droid that comms to each of them saying the same thing. So they're both being summoned that Lena So, the current chancellor of the Republic, wants to see them. So Emmerich reports to Lena So, who then calls in Sean, and there's a person there who makes a comment who's Gia Staros. Now that may, may mean nothing to you, and that's okay, but Gia Staros is the mother of Avon Staros, who is one of the main characters in the A Test of Courage book, which is a junior novel by Justina Ireland, which I've tackled on this channel, and they are also the ancestors of Sana Staros, who is a very prominent character in the main run of Star Wars comics, and then in the 2020 run of Dr. Afro comics. And Sana Staros is is a badass. Uh, she is very, very cool, and any of the Staros characters are very interesting. But the reason I specifically highlight Gira Staros in this instance was because Gira actually.
actually features surprisingly heavily in the Fallen Star book. She does appear a little bit elsewhere, but the Fallen Star book and the Eye of the Storm comics, I believe, also mention them too. But the Fallen Star book is the main place you'll find information on how she's involved with the Nile. And throughout this comic, there's mentions of someone in uh, Lena So's close circle is reporting to the Nile, and no one really knows why or how. And it's Gear Staros, and you find that out in the Fallen Star. But anyway, Emmerich goes into the room and talks to Lena So, and she calls in Sean. Now, the reason that they want to connect them is because their incidents may be related. They go on to say that the Tarnab that they saw was a person called Arathab Fal. They're trying to sell a weapon that he claims to be Nile. It then shows a planet called Vorzid V, and Arathab grabs a pawn after breaking down his door. The pawn asks to legitimize the merchandise that Arathab is selling, and Arathab calls in his boss that looks a little bit like a Nile. Now, a Powan is someone who's from Utapau. They're the same species as the Grand Inquisitor. They are tall, their skin is lined, and they're seen in Revenge of the Sith. You specifically see them when Obi-Wan Kenobi goes to Utapau and lands and talks to that tall gentleman with the characteristics I just described. They are Powans. Also living in Utapau are the Utai. Now, when Obi-Wan's starfighter gets repaired and things, you see some shorter creatures fixing up his starship, and those are the Utai. So you've got the Utai are kind of the lower level species and the Powans are more so the advanced species in air quotes. That's kind of how their society acts. I'm not going to delve into the whole society of Utapau because it's complicated and stuff, but I thought I'd elaborate on that. So cutting away from Arathab and his dodgy dealings trying to sell this crazy strange weapon, Sean and Emmerich then start talking. Emmerich says that they're on completely different missions, and she's a little bit taken aback by that because she's trying to work with him and he's not really being very receptive to it. And she confirms that she doesn't want Arathab to get a second chance to kill her, so she is somewhat personally invested, but also there seems to be more here afoot. Sean then tells Emmerich to change out of his standard Jedi clothing because he's just going to stick out like a sore thumb, and so he goes and gets changed into some normal clothes. Meanwhile, you've got Arathab, who says into some comlink that the Nile have found them, and then he sees a police car and seems quite jittery. So although it is alluded to that this Arathab person is dealing on behalf of the Nile, and when he seems to attack people, he gets people who address similarly to the Nile, it seems like he's some sort of fraud in some way, and he's trying to actually escape the Nile in some ways. But that little thread will be explained further on. So back to the investigative duo. They get to a crime scene and they kind of show off to each other knowing what they know. So one of them's like, oh, well, it clearly couldn't be just a simple break-in and theft because of this thing. Oh, yes, and there's very species blood splat over the walls. Yes, of course. And then also, look, there are blaster bots from here, here, and here. So it's kind of like that NCIS, CSI, crime scene stuff. It's kind of probably a little nod to that, but also it seems like Emmerich and Sean are both trying to kind of one-up each other a little bit. You get back to Arathab, who is fighting off some Nile, and then it shows that this duo then appear while he's fighting off the Nile, and Emmerich has got a yellow lightsaber. I thought I'd highlight that because that generally is considered quite a neutral colour in Star Wars. So in the Skywalker saga, you don't really see any characters, apart from your know, Ray right at the very end of Rise of Skywalker, with any yellow lightsabers. You get to see the Jedi guards, or the Jedi Temple guards, who are seen in Star Wars Rebels. They've got yellow lightsabers, they're kind of like force pikes, but in the High Republic, yellow lightsabers and different colour lightsabers are quite common. So they manage to defeat the Nile and Arathab basically bails. He gets on a speeder and disappears into the distance. However, Q2 does manage to put a tracker onto his speeder. So Sean and Emmerich then follow and they see that Arathab ends up talking to Dr. Uttersound. So that's the end of issue two, but before I delve into issue three, a bit of information onto Dr. Uttersound. 
So Uttersound, his first name is Kizma, so it's Kizma Uttersound, and he's a Chadra fan. So Chadra fan, they are the short, they're about, I think, three or four foot tall. They're kind of like bat people, in a way. You see them in the cantina in A New Hope, so they've been around in Star Wars since the very, very start of it. But also, they do appear in other Star Wars content. There's a few episodes of The Clone Wars where you get to see them, but they are popping up more and more in the canon. But yeah, just short bat kind of people. But Dr. Uttersound is a loyalist to the Nile, or at least he seems to be that way. He features in the Rising Storm book fairly heavily, and he's also in Light of the Jedi and Out of the Shadows. He is one of the ones who tortured Loden Great Storm. He is described as kind of sadistic, but he is loyal to Markeon Roe, but also fears Markeon Roe, and he's been the one who's assisted Markeon with transporting the nameless around the galaxy and finding out more information about them while also capturing people and torturing them and experimenting on them. Those sort of crazy scientist things. But let's move on to issue number three. So I want to read out some dialogue from issue number three, and it starts off with Emmerich and Stellan Geos walking on the streets of Coruscant along with Sean, and Sean is talking to them. So Sean says that the way I see it is pretty straightforward, and then Emmerich says, I think this is the least straightforward case I've ever worked, and then Stellan is like, I'm looking forward to hearing this. So this is what Sean says. If Emmerich's right that someone in So's inner circle is compromised and is feeding information to the Nile about our investigation, and that seems likely for the record, because them getting the jump on the Republic's inside man back on Vorzid was a little too much of a coincidence for me to believe in, and that we're pretty sure that this guy Uttersound is betraying the Nile with whatever weaponry he's trying to unload, so all we have to do is raise his name in the next update, and one problem should take care of another. Boom. Simple. And Stellan says, the problem is we need information more than we need utter sound stopped. Sean says, agreed. Whatever he's selling, if it's what did that to Master Loden, we need to know more about it. That weapon, or whatever it is, could bring down the Jedi Order, the entire Republic. I just don't want us to wait until it's too late. And then there's a silence between them, and Stellan Geos and Emmerich kind of look at each other, and they get to the entrance of this bar. And Sean says, anyway, it's my first night back on stage. You fellas want to come in and enjoy some music, or do you want to stand out here yammering about all the things that are about to go wrong? Emmerich and Stellan look at each other, and then there is a scene change. So the scene change I mentioned goes on to a Nile ship, and you've got Markion Rowe talking into a comlink to Dr. Uttersound. He is mentioning about betrayal, saying that someone is clearly betraying the Nile, and Uttersound is claiming to know nothing. After a bit back and forth, then the comms go off, and Mark Unro tells his fellow Nile to follow Uttersound, and if it turns out that he is betraying them, as Ro suspects, to torture and kill both him and also the Tarnab that seems to be associated with him. So back to Emmerich and Stellan. They are watching Sean play an upbeat version of that strange lullaby as a kind of gotcha thing. And Emmerich comments on that because he says, yeah, she's doing this because I keep humming it and singing it around her and I have been doing over the investigation. So she's kind of doing it to mess with me a little bit. Geos mentions that Emmerich and Sean seem to be getting close. And also there's a comment that the song, the nursery rhyme, may be from Dalna. It's a planet that's mentioned a bit in the High Republic, and I'm fairly certain that in the next phase of the High Republic, which is going to be a prequel by 150 years to this phase, I'm fairly certain that a lot more information about Dalna and the Dalnan people is going to get elaborated on, because we just keep getting little breadcrumbs about it. In the book I mentioned, the junior novel A Test of Courage by Justina Ireland, that's probably the most amount of information we get on the Dalnan people, and there's not a huge amount in there, aside from there being some sort of big disaster that occurred that made him scared of leaving their planet. So I think we're going to get that in the second phase of the High Republic, but we'll get to that when we get to that. Then before Stellan and Emmerich can talk any further, 
A communication comes through for Stellan Geos. It's from Avar Chris, confirming there has been an attack. Meanwhile, you've got Uttersound on a Nile ship and is being boarded. Then it shows you on Starlight Beacon, you've got Stellan Geos, Emmerich Kaftor, and also Sean Holt looking at Terek and Serret, the Force Bond twins. Now, they have been turned to stone or are calcifying, and this is confirmed in episode 92 of Star Wars Comics and Canon. It's in the third volume of the High Republic Marvel Comics, issue 11 is specifically when it occurs, and Keith Trennis is also there, who obviously features in those very heavily. So Sarek and Tarek, they are Force Bond twins, one of them gets attacked by the Nameless, it starts to turn the other one to stone as well, and so what they do, they split it between them, and then they go into this enforced sleep to kind of cut themselves off from the Force, and to stop them being calcified any further, and they're just in the medical bay on Starlight Beacon. Emmerich thinks that this may have happened due to a transference in the bloodstream after Shan says that maybe the Force is being used as some sort of conduit to make this happen. And then there's a bit more conversation. Emmerich talks to Keeve Trannis and asks if she's doing okay and if she can give him any information. She is still in shock and she is terrified and is very, very upset. So Emmerich then gives Keeve a hug. Back to the Nile, you've got this Nile ship that gets boarded and they prepare for an attack. Arathab then attacks them and starts to wipe them out with this. He's got this long staff that's got like knives at either end of it that glow with this red stuff. It's kind of like a double-ended vibroblade sort of weapon. Then back on Starlight, you've got the three of them, Stellan, Emmerich, and Sean, are then walking down a hallway talking that some of the descriptions don't really seem to add up about the, the nameless. Emmerich mentions it could be hallucinations, and then Stellan Geos then yells at them, saying, it definitely wasn't hallucinations, I was there, and then storms off. So Sean and Emmerich then pursue and are like, uh, Stellan, wait. Then you've got a little moment here that I really like. You've got Ram Jomaram who runs past them. And this is a reference because in the High Republic Adventures comics by Daniel Jose Older, and I tackled this in episode 93 and is in issue 11, there's something called like the Great Jedi Race. And in essence, you've got Padawans running through Starlight Beacon. They do a foot race and whoever wins gets some cakes. It's a really fun little issue. And in the High Republic Adventures comic, you get this moment, but from Ram's perspective. And Ram is a character from Race to Crash Point Tower, which is once again the book by Daniel Jose Older and I love Ram Jomaram he's one of my favourite characters in the High Republic and as he runs past he goes hi Master Stellan hi Master Emmerich hi pretty lady that I've never seen before and she's like uh, hey kid and then he just runs away and I just like that you know Jose Older has done a really really good job of connecting High Republic Adventures to Trail of Shadows to Race to Crash Point Tower they all intertwine very very well Anyway, after that mild interaction, Stellan Geos then apologizes for his outburst. He just says that it's nothing like he's ever felt before, and obviously seeing Jedi die is just incredibly frustrating. And then Avar Chris appears. Avar Chris wants to talk to Stellan Geos, so Emmerich gets Shan to leave the area. And it's confirmed that Emmerich grew up with Avar, Stellan, and Elzar Man. He was the same sort of age as them. All three of them were very good friends, but there seems to have been some friction between them recently, and Emmerich just wants to stay out of the way of their complicated history. So it goes back to Arathab. He kills all of those Nile, and Uttersound shoots two of the Nile as well. Then a Nile ship appears, and shortly after that you've got more Nile boarding the ship. These other Nile look around, and it's confirmed that a ship that was attached to the ship they're on has just disappeared into hyperspace. All of the Nile seem to have been killed, but Uttersound is on the floor, dying. He's bleeding out very heavily, he's got like claw marks all over him and things, but he is alive. So... They come to the eye, and the eye says, save him for now, so we can try and get some information out of him to work out what's happened. 
Then back to Starlight, you've got Emmerich who is showing Sean around, takes her to, you know, at the end of the great Padawan race, shows some of the lightsaber dueling and takes her to some of the gardens and things. They then have a really nice conversation. And this is one of the things that I really recommend to all of you listening. Pick up this comic. It's all on Marvel Unlimited. It's a really, really good, interesting read. And there's just some really human connections that I enjoy. And this moment is one of them. And the moment is that Emmerich says to Sean that he's scared that everyone he cares about ever is a Jedi, aside from one person now, and obviously he's pointing at Sean. And he mentions that the Jedi, they're not emotionless, they just have to try and keep their emotions in check. They have to act stoically. And that can be difficult because it doesn't mean you don't feel these things. Because Sean comments on the fact that he hugged Keeve and she doesn't really see Jedi affection very much. And he's like, well, sometimes it's necessary. And I still love all of these people and care about them deeply. It's just difficult and all this stuff is going on to stay stoic. And Sean responds to that by giving him a hug. And it's just this really nice panel of them just hugging each other, both smiling. And that is where issue three ends. So issue four starts in a Shadra fan settlement. You see Dr. Uttersound go into this home and his family. There are lots of kids and a partner of some sort. And he gives his family some money and then says that he needs to leave. His partner, maybe his wife or something like that, then says to him, we need you to stay. You've only just got here and things. And he's like, look, the money I've given you should cover the debts at the moment and should hopefully cover some medical expenses and maybe even give you some more money so we're set off. What I'm hoping is that the next thing I do will give us the last amount of money so we'll be set for life and I can just leave the Nile and not be involved with them anymore. But while he's going around and doing these things, you've got another Chadra fan who's following him. And this is someone called Bisar. It's confirmed because they've both got like inner monologues, both Utter Sound and also Bisar in this moment. And Bisar confirms that they lost their partner in a Nile attack. So they hold the Nile responsible for these things. And so he was asked by a Jedi, assumably Emmerich, to find some information out on Utter Sound. And they're trying to follow, but when they get to Utter Sound's ship, they're trying to attach a tracker. It doesn't work. So they just get on board. Meanwhile, you've got Emmerich and Sean are talking. You've got Sean is playing her piano thing and Emmerich is laying on the sofa next to her. They're having a little chat and then they are sent a comm to confirm that there is a lead on Uttersound. So back to Dr. Uttersound. He is conspiring with Arathab via a comm and then a Nile comes near him and he turns the comms off. And the Nile says that they are suspects of Uttersound and say there are even more reinforcements here to make sure that Uttersound doesn't mess up this delivery like he did with the last one. It shows that Emmerich, Shan, and a few others are in some Republic starships waiting for the Nile to appear at a certain location. Then they appear and there's a couple of pages of Firefight. It looks really good. Once again, the artwork of this miniseries is excellent. Emmerich then locates the ship which has the cargo and potentially utter sound on it, so he flies near it, shoots on it, and then manages to get into the ship. On the ship itself, you've got the Nile who are attacking Uttersound, and Uttersound manages to kill them with a gun that he gets, because where the ship they're on is like being damaged and things from the battle, it's like swaying left and right, so the Nile that was holding a gun to Uttersound drops it, and yeah, Uttersound uses it to kill them. And Uttersound then goes a bit mad in just for a moment and he starts shooting the corpse of this Nile. So he shoots a Nile and then just keeps shooting him over and over and over again, it's like yelling as he's doing it. And while he's doing this, the Shatterfan spy, Bisar, is watching. Emmerich then appears by cutting a hole in the ceiling and climbing through, and then he starts to hallucinate quite vividly. It's confirmed that Uttersound opened up a peephole in the cargo and Emmerich collapses. 
B-Sar then holds a gun to utter sound, and then Arathab appears. B-Sar shoots a stun blast at both of them, which knocks out utter sound, but Arathab is completely unaffected. So Arathab goes in to try and kill B-Sar, but then his arm is sliced off by a lightsaber, and it shows that Shan has picked up Emra's lightsaber. Arathab then runs away with only one arm, and B-Sar closes the hatch to the cargo that's been causing Emric problems. Sean then helps Emmerich to his feet, and the droid Q2 says that they need to go. The ship is pulling itself apart in this firefight, so yeah, we need to leave. So Sean takes Emmerich to the ship and says that she'll come back and grab Uttersound, who's passed out on the floor. So obviously in the cargo was those nameless beings, if that wasn't already clear. And then the final panels of issue 4 show that they're on this ship, and they're heading to Starlight Beacon, um, but they get inside of it and see that it's basically on fire, that an explosion has just happened, and Emmerich is still in shock at this point. So my friends, this leads us to the final comic of this series. So this is issue number five. So issue five starts with Sean checking in on Emmerich. He's brought out of this weird hallucinogenic nightmare state by her talking to him. There are some internal monologues throughout these comics, and obviously they really help understand the characters, but I'm not going to delve into them specifically. But it shows that Sean deeply cares about Emmerich and wants him to be okay. They hug once again, but then Uttersound is there, kind of ruining the moment a little bit. He confirms that he has no loyalty to the Republic or the Nile or anyone really, he just wants money. Bisar then chimes in and says, well, he actually has a family who he's loyal to, he's just trying to cover that up, and is pointing a gun at Uttersound, saying that he had a family too at some point, and that because of the Nile they're now gone. Uttersound is like panicking at this and says, look, I'm sorry, here the only thing I can give you is this. And it's a little bit of parchment that has some handwritten note on it. And what's written on it is the nursery rhyme that has been referenced prior in this. And I want to clarify that all of the characters there are quite shocked by the fact there's a handwritten note. Because if you tell in Star Wars, people don't really seem to write things down. It's always on data pads and etc. Which to me actually sounds like a bit of a pain. You know, I, I use handwritten notes all the time. And although writing on my phone for notes and things is quite helpful at times, sometimes I just find it's better to write things down. So I'd be interested in that element of Star Wars being explored a bit more. Maybe we'll get it explored in content that goes earlier. Maybe even in the next phase of the High Republic. But anyway, tangent aside. So after they note that on this handwritten bit of parchment that it's got that nursery rhyme on it, Uttersound says some stuff. And I thought I'd read it out because it gives a little bit more weight and understanding to these creatures, the Nameless. So this is what Uttersound is saying. The parchment comes from one who was once a Jedi, many years ago. It's about the creatures you seek, the ones the Nile will use to bring down the Republic, the ones that are about to turn me a massive profit on the black market. Some call them the Shri Karai, Eaters of the Force. To others, they are simply the Nameless. Their mere presence causes madness, hallucinations in Force users. I haven't figured out how yet. The only way to control them is an ancient artifact that was split into two pieces, and the eye has both parts. That's how... And then he is cut off by Bisar saying, Come quickly, something's happening to Starlight Beacon. It then shows there's been another explosion on Starlight Beacon, and one of the main spires starts to crack. Uttersound confirms that he was there taking a second wave of the Nameless to the Beacon, but there's already some on there. So Emmerich says that he wants to board Starlight Beacon to get more information on these creatures. Shan confirms that she will go too. So then you see the ship crash through the glass from the main hall. That I believe is what you see from the first issue of the High Republic comics by Marvel, Kevin Scott, when you see Keeve Trennis get knighted. And it's, I think, the second or third printing, like the, the cover of the second or third printing of that comic itself. You get to see them in there when they do their knighting ceremonies and whatnot. So they crash through there and destroy a lot of the glass and things. And Emmerich does confirm that the shields will have gone up as soon as they crash through the glass so all the air doesn't get sucked out. 
And then two familiar faces pop up, Torben, Buck and Quart, two characters who are very prominent in the High Republic Adventures comics. And the end of the High Republic Adventures comics that I tackled a couple episodes ago, and with issue 13 of those comics, doesn't even really go near the Fallen Star. So seeing them here is quite nice to know what actually happens to them. So this is a degree of spoilers, I suppose, for the High Republic Adventures, but it kind of, it takes place after them. So it's almost like a mini epilogue of that. But yeah, Torben Buck, who is amazing, Buckets of Blood, one of my favourite characters, and Quart the Eloxian, they are there with a group of younglings. They all board the ship that Emmerich and Sean landed on, but Emmerich says he wants to investigate further. So Emmerich, Sean, the two Chadra fan, Torben Buck, and Quart go to investigate because confirmed that Quart actually wounded one of the nameless beings slightly earlier. So they go into a hallway and Sean sees this giant clawed thing and Emmerich is right next to her while the other ones are slightly further back just to ensure, you know, for safety reasons and things. So Emmerich is trying to reach out to the beast with the force. He is hallucinating quite wildly, but Sean is there to keep him sort of anchored. And because she can see the being for itself, it's not maybe having the same effect on Emmerich as it would normally. Also, the beast is seemingly wounded, so maybe that's having an effect too. But Emmerich is trying to focus, get through the hallucinations and trying to reach out to the beast with the force. It then tries to attack, and Emmerich manages to cut its hand off, this big clawed hand. Then, Utter Sound throws a thermal detonator at this being and seemingly kills it. And then, the Nile that are aboard Starlight Beacon hear from all the commotion and then start to attack. So Emmerich, Torbenbuck and Quart are then deflecting bolts back with their lightsabers as the rest of them start to retreat. The gang get to their ship and Sean has actually obtained one of the fingers from the claw of this being so they can analyse it and try and work out more information about it. But the Nile are fast approaching. Torbenbuck then decides to give Emmerich his blood-stained clothes because he comments that he fell over earlier and fell into the blood of these beings so they can analyse the blood on his clothing as well as the claw thing that Sean found and Emmerich looks at him a little bit confused and Torben Buck is just in his underwear now basically and he says look I'm gonna go stop the Nile because if I don't they might come and get for this ship so I've already said my goodbyes to Quart you need to save him and the younglings and you need to escape so we can find out what this is I'll hold the Nile off so he runs out basically naked with his lightsaber into a hallway it shows the ship leaves Starlight Beacon, so we haven't heard anything from Torben Buck, so I don't know if he survived. I really, really hope he did, because he's one of my favourite characters, but I think the assumption at this point is that he probably didn't, because you see Starlight Beacon is in flames and is starting to crash down to the nearby planet. But Quart, the younglings, and also Emmerich, Sean, and Bisa are safe. Utter Sound seemingly slipped away from them in all the commotion things, so they don't know if he's alive or not. But Emmerich is confident that the knowledge will help them see through this darkness, will bring light, and that Q2 has already started analysing the information they've got about these beings. And the final panel shows all of these people on the ship are looking out to see Starlight Beacon crashing, but Sean has put a hand on Emmerich's shoulder and he is holding her hand there. And that is the end of the Trail of Shadows. So yeah, it was a really interesting read. It gives a bit more information onto the Nameless or the Levelers or whatever one wants to call them and does give some nice kind of ending to the High Republic adventures in some ways. It's a sad ending and I wish I hadn't known about Torben Buck. I wish I just was blissfully unaware, but we shall see. What I'm really hoping is that Torben Buck and a character that I won't spoil, but there's a character in the Fallen Star towards the end who you think might have died, but one of the characters is fairly confident that they didn't die. And this other character is also one of my favourite characters. I have a lot of favourite characters in the High Republic, let's be honest. Most of them are my favourite characters. But 
I'm really hoping that Torben Buck finds this other character and they both survive and we find out in phase three, but uh, maybe that's wishful thinking. We shall see. But that is the end of the episode for the most part, my friends. Thank you so much for listening, as always. I just want to give yourself some more information of what's coming up. So I said about it earlier that I still have yet to tackle three pieces of High Republic content. I need to do the book review for... Mission to Disaster, which is the junior novel by Justina Island. I need to do the young adult novel by Daniel Jose Older, which is called Midnight Horizon. And then I need to do the two manga that was released, which were written by Shima Shinya, and volume one was Justina Island and Shima Shinya, whereas volume two was Shima Shinya and Daniel Jose Older, funnily enough. So I'm going to be tackling probably both volumes of them in one episode because I remember reading the first volume and it seemed to be about the equivalent of two, maybe three comics. And obviously on Comics and Canon, generally speaking i try and do a volume ago but they're quite small volumes so i think they should fit quite nicely into one episode but we'll see when i start writing notes so next week i think i will not tackle the edge of balance i think i may end up embarking on the first batch of the crimson rain comics so they're going to be the sequel to the war of the bounty hunters so that's dr afra 2020 run vader 2020 run star wars 2020 run and the only run of bounty hunters comics as well as the mini series crimson rain so they all take place between empire strikes back and return of the jedi so that's sort of a year between those movies and there's going to be three trilogies so there's the first sorry there's going to be three batches of comic events so the first one was war of the bounty hunters i tackled that and all of the companion comics and everything to do with that at the tail end of 2021 there's a whole playlist on youtube which is war of the bounty hunters which is the episode i did for that then it's crimson rain which as i said i'll be tackling soon and then there's an unknown third one that's probably going to get announced like tomorrow knowing my luck after me waffling on about it here uh, because the crimson rain issues i think the fifth issue is coming out in another month or so so i presume that'll be when they announce the next sort of the final parts of the comics that take place between empire strikes back and return of the jedi but i'm going to hopefully tackle those i still have the final volume of the poe dameron comics to do I've also got some IDW publishing things to do. So there's more Kevin Scott works, which there's the Star Wars Adventures comics. There's Star Wars Adventures Battle Tales, which is some Clone Wars era comics. There's the Tales of Vader's Castle. So I tackled the first batch of those at Halloween. Then there's another two of those. So each is like a five part story with flashbacks. So each batch of them are five issues. There's normally like a a running story and then there's flashbacks, which are like little horror stories. It's kind of an anthology in some ways. So I read the first batch, did them at Halloween. Then there's Return to Vader's Castle and then there's also Ghosts of Vader's Castle. So I'll tackle them at some point soon as well. Plus I've obviously got the two High Republic book reviews to go and then we'll kind of see where we are because obviously we are middle towards the end of May at the moment and the next batch of High Republic stuff is coming in October. And between them, We've got the Obi-Wan Kenobi series of comics, which I think is going to be a mini series. I think it's five or six issues. And then there's the Han Solo and Chewbacca comics that are ongoing. I think that's going to be like a, a long series. And that's only on its like second or third issue at the moment. So once that's done, like a full story arc, probably a volume or something, which I imagine will be after the fourth, fifth or sixth comics then i'll be able to start tackling those as well but that's just a general idea of what's coming up i'm also aiming for episode 100 of styles comics in canon to do another q a episode so i'll try and make a note to post on social media and ask people you know what kind of questions you want me to ask i'm tempted to get my friend ben of styles timeline on the show so it could be me and ben talking about the high republic and styles in general but also answering questions so if you have any questions please email me at star wars comics in canon at outlook.com 
or message me on any of the social media places at Genuine Chit Chat on Instagram, Twitter, or on Facebook, or contact Comics in Motion P on all of those same places. Basically, you can contact me in any variety. It will get to me somehow. But yeah, if you want to send those questions in, please feel free. And if you send those questions in, please mention your either Twitter handle or whatever. If you do it on social media, I'll read out your handle. But if you email, you'll need to say what I call you because I don't want to read out your email address. So that's just a little thing of what's going to happen around episode 100. I mean, it will be for episode 100. It just depends if I'm going to have to fudge it if there's some scheduling issues that I may not be able to make it work in four weeks' time. But then again, also, I'm hoping to do a book review between now and then. And I also want to flag to yourselves that I am going to be doing a Kenobi week-by-week discussion show on this feed of Comics in Motion that I will also be uploading to my YouTube channel. So that's going to be much like I did with the Book of Boba Fett, where I'll be hosting and I'll have a different array of guests each episode. But with the Kenobi show, there are six episodes, but the first two episodes are dropping on a Friday which is May 27th so I think myself and Megan are going to watch those episodes and record our thoughts on those two and then after that we'll be doing the week by week of episodes three four five and six so i've already started planning those things so make sure you either subscribe to my youtube channel or to comics in motion and you'll be able to get those or just follow me on social media because i will undoubtedly be posting about them but aside from that my friends you know rate review subscribe you know share this on social media with your friends tell people about it you know you don't have to have read a single star wars comic or even as long as you've seen some star wars movies people can listen to this show that's the general gist ideally the main 11 you know you watch the star wars movies the main nine and then also solo and rogue one i would highly recommend that but people don't have to have done that as long as you have an interest in star wars you can enjoy the show and please just share it with as many people as you can because the more the merrier and aside from that i'll say you know please consider checking out my patreon patreon.com slash genuine chit chat i already gave a little plug earlier on but for as little as one pound a month you get access to hours and hours of additional content a lot of it is star wars related a lot of it is not star wars related star wars book reviews on there i don't release anywhere else some legends book reviews i don't release anywhere else and then some non-star wars things as indie movies me and megan talk about there's road trips you go on there's a holiday I went to malta and spoke about that for like 40 minutes so if you want just a, a better insight into my life and what i get up to as well as loads of additional content and you want to support the show please consider checking out patreon.com slash genuine chits chat but that's enough from me my friends thank you as always for listening i appreciate each and every one of you i'll talk to you next saturday and as always may the force be with you the intro for star wars comics and canon is arranged by myself mike burton and the backing music was made by eric matias of soundimage.org you have just experienced host, creator, everything else of genuine chit-chat, and also the host and creator of Star Wars Comics and Canon, found on the Comics in Motion podcast, Mike Burton.